At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Good morning, Roxy Soxy. Good morning, Tam Tam. How are you doing, girl? How are you doing? Oh, you, you haven't good. been you haven't been feeling very well, have you, Rox? What's what's no. been going on in the sick oh. household of the Manning? Oh my god, the Manning bug is alive and well. So I thought I was like, you know, a few weeks ago I got sick and I was like, God, what is this? And I took COVID test after COVID test, like, you know, the, the rapid like test. Not, it has to be COVID, right? <clears throat> yes. Cause I had like every symptom under the sun that was like COVID symptom, mm-hmm. but I never had a positive COVID read. So right. I kind of started feeling better after like about two weeks. Mm-hmm. And then I went away to like a music festival. Of and- course you did. And yeah. what did you do there? <laughs> well, your system was oh. damn Roxy Soxy. Oh. Yes, you know, you know, I did not listen to my body (laughs) and I thought I was back to, you know, back to hundred percent healthy. And I tied one on and then I came back and I got this like crazy sinus infection because wine is not (laughs) fruit. I mean, it is, but it isn't. (laughs) Who knew? I thought it fell into the fruit food group. (laughs) Right, exactly. So I've been battling this freaking sinus infection now. And I feel like I have not been well in like a month. So I'm just like kind of run down and tired and it affects your mental health too. You know, Mm -hmm. like I'm really excited by our next guest. Um, I was was scrolling late at night as I usually do. And my mental health has been kind of all over the place. Like we moved to Nashville um, via way of all through America and us and, and Australia, we've been on the road for like a year and a half. And, you know, all I wanted was to settle down. You know that I kept saying like, you know, Roxy, all I want is just to like have a closet and have my stuff. And now that I have my stuff and I'm settled down, all I want to do is be back on the road. <laughs> I'm having like an issue with just staying like present and being appreciative and like, you know, in the moment. And I don't know if this, you feel this way too, but I just feel like the days are going so fast and I'm having a lot of um existential thoughts about like you know it feels like the last two years have gone so fast the last month has gone so fast this year we're halfway through the year already kind of like well what's the meaning of it all how can I appreciate it while it's happening am I missing it am I not paying enough attention how has your mental health been you know, I think it comes and goes sort of like I, I, you know, I find that I was having some like, you know, as the kind of school year was winding down and everything, I find that I was on like a good trajectory, but then I got sick. And so it went back down again. And so I am sort of, and I think like that's sort of like been the way the last two years for me, it's been like up and down, up and down, just kind of depending on you know, where I am, where we are in the world, like listening to all these things that are going on also that are happening. Yeah. To our kids and things like that, you know, the school shootings and it's so disheartening and it's, it really does wear on my mental health. And I know as well for you too. I feel like for me, like, you know, I'm a manifester 
-hmm. And it's hard because like, you know, manifestation, one of the key principles for manifestation is your thought process. Mm -hmm. It's your visualization, your thought process and trying to create your future based in like how you believe something's going to happen. But I'm finding myself really, you know, it's, I'm finding it hard to shift that mentality. Mm -hmm. And what's been happening to me lately is like when I do shift it and those days where everything just feels great, good things start to happen. So I know there's a, there's, there's, I do believe in law of attraction. I do believe in manifestation. And when I put myself in that good headspace, Mm -hmm. you know, I get, an audition, a brand deal, like, you know, something great happens in my relationship, whatever it is, I do feel like I attract that. But it's very hard lately because of what's been going on in the world for me Mm. to be thinking like that. And then I feel like negativity attracts, like you attract whatever you focus on. Mm -hmm. So when I'm focusing on like, you know, not being safe and destruction and aggression and fear and, you know, all of that starts to happen more because that's all I'm focusing on. So hopefully our next guest can give us a little bit of an insight in like how to change our, change our pathways. Mm-hmm. Yes, we need it. We need it, don't we? And she's from my hometown, <sighs> South Africa, Yvette Alu. I hope I'm saying that correctly. She's a speaker, leadership coach, author, wellness educator. Um, again, I was scrolling through Instagram late at night and came across one of her posts, and that is why she is here today. So welcome, <gasps> Yvette. Thank you so much for being here. We have so many questions, so many questions to ask you. So Roxy, take it away. <gasps> all right. So, you know, I was going through your Instagram and looking at all your great posts. You have so much good advice, but I kind of feel like we should start at the beginning because I know you're a big proponent of conscious living. Mm-hmm. And for people out there that don't know what conscious living is, can you kind of explain it and tell us how we can get, get on that track? Sure. Okay. Um, I'd say that conscious living is, and thank you for having me. This is exciting. (laughs) Um, um, Yeah, living consciously, which is also the title of my book, um, is really just about, you know, owning your thoughts, your beliefs, and therefore your behavior, you know, and just, I think a lot of times we just kind of allow life to happen to us, you know, and we, we kind of live responsively you know like just you're just reacting and you're just responding to what's happening to you and not really aware that you are also a creator and you get to to contribute to the kind of reality that you're experiencing and yeah so that's what I that's how I define living consciously it's just being mindful and present in your current reality and also just acknowledging the power that you have to kind of shift and change that reality and acknowledging the type of things that are keeping you from creating the the reality that you want, such as the, you know, the things that you believe about yourself, you know, whether you believe you're not good enough, whether you believe that, you know, life, you know, that things will always, bad things will always happen to you or people will reject you, whether you believe, you know, I think Tamin was just speaking about how she's, you know, really conscious and mindful about, you know, what she focuses on, you know, and things like shootings that are happening in America, you know, just constantly focusing on that cannot make you feel good, you know, and if you don't feel good, you kind of tend to create, you know, based on what you feel. And that doesn't always also look good, you know. So it really is just approaching life mindfully and just being aware that you are a creator of your reality and you can change your reality through just managing your thoughts, you know, and and your beliefs. How do you shift, you know, the last couple of days have been really tense with my husband and I, nothing other than just a lot going on, not having enough time to really 
get the things done and kind of like a tit for tat thing. Like, well, you have the kid. Well, I have the kids, you know, and constantly like blaming each other. And what happens is we get into like these kind of bickering sort of arguments that don't really go anywhere, but, and then, and then the, for the rest of the day, I'm kind of in a mood. It's, I find it really hard to shift my thoughts and actions while it's happening. Like I'm very good at going, oh, I've taken a step back. I can actually see the argument for the thing itself, right? I can put Mm -hmm. it into a box and look at it objectively and go, oh, I see that argument. What could I have done better? What could he have done better? How could we have been better as a couple? But in the moment, I find it really difficult. And I don't know if you do Roxy too. Like Mm. I, like there's something about in the moment heat of whatever it is, whether it's an argument or just my negative spiral, Mm. I find it hard to stop myself. Mm -hmm. And I would love to know tools or what to even prepare for before that happens. So I don't have to like every four days have like a breakdown. Like <laughs> I would like that to happen maybe twice a year. Um, Cause it's kind of like, no, I'm in a great, great, I'm in a great place. I'm in a great um, rhythm. And then after four days, like we're back here again, mm-hmm. you know? Sure. Uh, I'd really say that, you know, uh, one thing that I don't encourage is like toxic positivity, you know, just being like, I'm not feeling this, I'm not feeling this. And then like, but you're falling apart, you know? So I think that feeling is also part of the experience of living consciously because so many of us tend to just kind of push that away. But I guess if you're talking about before that kind of happens and you're like, okay, and if you tend to notice the pattern, you know, cause I've also been in that space where, you know, it just feels like life is falling apart, you know, or <laughs> things are falling apart and like, you you know, you don't really know how to feel and you feel like you're out of control of your emotions, you know, feel like you don't any longer. So what has helped me is to really just step back into myself, you know, because I think a lot of stuff pull us out of outside of ourselves. You know, you're in the thought process of this is what this person does all the time. And, you know, the negative thoughts that surround that and maybe you're triggered in that state, you know, or you're in the thought of, you know, I don't have this and this is going wrong and all of that. And just coming back to myself and like reminding myself who I am. You know, so that looks like for me taking a walk, you know, and it looks like sometimes like just doing yoga. And I think the grounding work that you do daily kind of helps with those moments, because if you notice a lot of times you're, you kind of react beyond because it's like you, you, what's the word I'm looking for? You kind of like the, the response is kind of like much bigger, you know, because you haven't also been just grounding yourself on a daily basis, you know. And of course, this is not that you're not grounding yourself, but sometimes the fact that maybe you're out of balance before that happened, right? You haven't been in tune with yourself. You haven't been in tune with your needs. You've been focusing on the other person and what they have to do for you to, for you to feel good and not what you need to do for yourself. Like advocate for your needs mm-hmm. you know so i definitely think that the grounding work of just coming back to myself to yourself and that's something that's really helped me you know to just remind myself you know my experience as a human being is beyond just this this part of my life you know and really just you know grounding myself and i do that differently you know and that's one thing that's helped and i think something that i when i speak to my clients and i'm doing my one-on-one coaching is what are some of the things you can do in that moment to kind of ground yourself you know like is it stepping back you know and just really spending time with yourself before responding you know is it staying really feel you know you're noticing the pattern because there's certain emotions like emotions happen in patterns right mm-hmm. so you'll feel angry or you'll feel overwhelmed and you feel angry then it kind of escalates right and then that's when it's like 
the falling apart and the not feeling in control of your emotions. So I think that sometimes just stepping back and giving yourself a moment, right, before you respond or asking for a moment to say, I can feel myself getting quite angry, you know. And also it depends. Like sometimes staying in the conversation, you know, not running away from those emotions and what they're feeling because and what they're bringing up because sometimes if it's a bickering, you know, every single week, there's some mm-hmm. core things. Maybe you guys haven't connected in a while. You know, maybe mm-hmm. like you said, you, you've moved from Louisiana, Louisiana, is it Louisiana? I think I'm just saying words. <laughs> <Yeah, so. laughs> we can say Louisiana, that's a cool thing. <laughs> like that, that sounds like a country name. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, like I think sometimes also just looking at the root cause, you know, and saying, okay, maybe we are having this back and forth because there's a core issue that we need to attend to. We haven't had time to connect. I haven't had time to connect with myself. I feel frustrated and airing out those things, you know, with grace for each other and hearing each other out so that it doesn't like become something every single week. So I'd say maybe look into what is the core thing that keeps bringing you into the state? Is it your own, like you not taking care of your needs? Is it, you know, something in the relationship, if it's relationships with others? Is it, you know, what what's the core thing and trying to understand that so that you don't find yourself in that space consistently? And even if you do, it's okay. Like, they still grace for it all. For it all. So I don't think living consciously or, you know, being aware or mindful is this thing where we don't have grace for ourselves and we don't go through certain patterns. I think the main thing is the awareness that shifts with each pattern, you know? Mm-hmm. So whenever you're at the, the second time you're doing the bickering, you know, I think you're like, okay, what's the real need? You know, mm-hmm. maybe the real need is to connect, whether it's with yourself or to the other heard, person. Right? Most of yeah. sites. To just, be heard, yeah. We never, we never, I was watching this uh, Netflix special that said, you know, the person that you love or the person you're having a fight with is, is talking to you. You just not, you just don't hear them. You, we can't quiet down our own noise to let the other person's words come through because we're constantly thinking with our egos, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's 100%, 100% of that. I used to not be, and it's funny because my partner is always like, you're a coach, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's your like, job. I listen, <laughs> <laughs> I listen to people all day and I'm really good at it. But <laughs> when you're in that relationship, because relationships are there for, for us to grow and evolve, right? Mm-hmm. And we are most vulnerable there. So how we respond in other situations, you might not even respond that way. You know, you could be calm and collected at your job, you mm-hmm. know, but when you get home, it's like you're triggered, you're vulnerable, yeah. you have <laughs> these expectations, you know. And I think just, you know, learning my own triggers is something that really helped, you know. Why why do I struggle to listen in this? And what, you know, and just learning to listen, you know, and really understanding the other person's needs and where they're coming from. And also just, you know, having grace for everybody involved because we're all doing the best that we can with like what we know and whatever resources and energy level we have, like we're all doing the best that we can. But what has helped in that moment is really just look at, you know, like listening and especially when it comes to men, because for me personally, and this is something that I realized, I wasn't, I had no awareness of what communication looks like in relationships, mm-hmm. like healthy communication, what somebody, a man articulating his, their needs sounds like, you know, and also just not receiving that in the way that was the most healthiest. And what helps is just listening and say, okay, and also all of us finding the right words, you know, because sometimes we genuinely don't have the right words and saying, I feel unwanted, 
I feel unheard. I feel like vulnerable, you know, and the other person just really hearing that, you know, and just sitting and also connecting, you know, Mm. one of the things that really helped us was really just, I remember we were also at like a couples counseling thing and it was connection before correction, you know, like just, you're so busy with your day to day and kids and, you know, if you have kids and so many other things or just busy bickering, you're just having these arguments back and forth, you haven't made time to just connect, you know, without having a deep conversation, without, you know, having just connecting and like Mm -hmm. seeing each other. And I think that really made a really huge shift, you know, for us as well. Yeah. I know for us, like when we've been fighting and stuff, um, you know, we, when we would see the therapist and everything, he would always say, you guys need to create like healthy boundaries for each other. Mm -hmm. Meaning like, you know, because during the pandemic and everything, we were both working from home. So there's a lot of like stepping on toes, you know, like where one ends and the other begins, you know, it's like very hard to kind of keep those boundaries. But he suggested that we sort of start like, not a schedule, but have like certain chunks of time where it's like, okay, give each other, let's say from 9 a.m. to like 1 p.m. for more working, just working. Don't interrupt that person, you know, um, let them work. And then you guys come together after that and try to talk, which of course is like easier said than done. I mean, I definitely messed that up and so did my husband. So how do we create like healthy boundaries like that with people like with like especially like our partners who were in this sort of like day-to-day you know every day all day with you know yeah for me it's a bit different (laughs) I'm in a long distance partnership right now um but I can definitely say I think it's just being mindful you know and of the the reward of it all you know Mm -hmm. like just that if you're if just remembering the why, you know, like if you're not in each other's space all the time, right, then you get the reward of, you know, that not being frustrated with being in each other's space all day, you know, and just really understanding the reason behind it for everybody. Like I'm a big introvert, right? You could live with me in a small little apartment, like this tiny, mm-hmm. I will find a way to find, make space for myself. Like I will be in the bathroom for two hours <laughs> if I need to, you know? And everybody that's ever been in my life, like from my family to my friends, really understands just, you know, how maybe, for example, being around people, they can really make me feel depleted. You know, so when I communicate it, you know, I just make it when when I get time to myself, you know, this is how I'm able to show up for you better. You know, this is the benefit of it in the relationship. So I think it's just everybody remembering the why, you know, and also just, I mean, working from home. I mean, back then with lockdown and all of that, obviously, we could not get out, you know, for a couple of months. But working from home doesn't always mean being in the house the whole day. You know, it could be a thing of going to a coffee shop. I do that because um, I work from home most of the time. And sometimes I just need to see humans <laughs> and um, <laughs> and um, just, you know, changing the space that you walk around and maybe switch, take turns in terms of who gets to be in the house this day, switch rooms around, you know, find a way to just make it, you know, a little bit more balanced in that sense. And mostly just, you know, remembering the why and maybe having breaks to chat, like if you're really burning to have a chat then add it to the schedule you know just five minute coffee break like you would have done at work and be like you know have that moment and then go back into work and just agreeing on those particular terms you know so just making it work in a way that it doesn't feel like torture I have a big issue with self-sabotage I don't know if you do Roxy but I 
there's nothing more motivating than a deadline for me and waiting till the last minute to <laughs> do something. Like if it's 11:30 at night and I have to have to be, you know, ready by seven, I'll get it done at 11:30 at night. And I don't know why I do it. I, I mean, I, I almost self sabotage this podcast every, every, like I'm so ready for the show. Everything's organized, and then, you know, I'll not have great time management or again, pick a fight or something will happen with my computer. I think I'm constantly self-sabotaging myself. And I think I would be more successful. doesn't have to be like financially, but just like more successful in life in general, if I didn't self-sabotage, but I'm in such a cycle with it that I don't know how to break it. And I don't even know that it's happening until like it actually does, you know, back in the day when I would do a photo shoot, I'd again, I'm a different person now because I'm more, I, I'm trying to accept my body, but I would like exercise so hard and be ready to go shoot. And then like the two days before I'd just be eating brownies all day. Like, and I, I'm sure you guys have done that, you know, in, in yeah. some form yourself, like you're about right. to go to a wedding, you know, but like, why does it happen? And how can we, st- how can we stop it? Self-sabotage overall. Um, I think sometimes they different reasons. Sometimes yeah, where it's does just it come from? Yeah. Sometimes it's a habit thing, you know, like just having to change certain habits. I'm one of those people where I know I can work, I can write a speech, you know, for a talk in 20 minutes and I will do that talk for an hour and nobody will know <laughs> that, yeah. you know, but it doesn't always serve me, you know, to do that yeah. because then I'm a little bit more anxious. I'm a little bit more nervous. I don't feel a hundred percent more con- as confident as I would have if I was prepared maybe three days or five mm. days before, even two weeks before, you know? And I think I think it's just a matter of understanding to where you, some of your habits, you know, serve you, you know? And I think some things are just generally habits. Like I, I can relate to exactly what you're saying, uh, Tamit, because I'm that person. And really, I think I'm also in the space where I'm just looking at, is this serving me? You know, is this serving the kind of person that I want to be in the type of values? You know, if I want to be a person of integrity and honor and be like super reliable or just feel good about it. Because I think the worst thing is the feeling you get afterwards knowing you could have done better, you know, or like knowing that, you know, I could have showed up better for this thing, you know, but I could have I could have gone about it a little bit better. So self-sabotage, I think one part is just habit, you know, it's just habits that we need to unlearn and knowing just that knowing in your mind that you can do it last minute and still show up and nobody will know that it was supposed to, it could have been better except for you. So it's just holding yourself accountable to a better standard and understanding why that's important for you, you know. And then I think the other part of it is limiting beliefs, of course, you know, like, for example, with the food, if you look at the eating of brownies, you know, so exercising, right, and eating of brownies, that probably had to do a lot more with your thought process and your emotions around the shoot, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of self-sabotage comes from how we feel about something and what we think and believe about ourselves. Mm -hmm. So you, it sounds like from what you've said that you had probably body image issues or just, you know, certain things you are hard on yourself. And then leading up to this thing, you're like, trying to be this level of yeah you know like you're just trying to to create like an idea of like who you are and what's acceptable and you know trying to meet that level and then you know then pushing yourself really hard and then now then just you know going back to that thought process I'm not good enough somewhere unconsciously it's happening you know it's like oh, I'm gonna miss this up I'm not gonna look as pretty as I want to this and this and this and then you find yourself eating the brownies and I think we do that a lot with different things you know sometimes people find themselves 
calling an ex-boyfriend, you know, because they have all these thoughts, something good is about to happen. Maybe a really nice person comes into their life and then they start to have these thoughts, but I'm not good enough. What if I mess up? What if he rejects me? What if, you know, this goes wrong? And then there you are self-sabotaging and then you just don't feel good about yourself, right? So I would say that it's really the thoughts that we have that allow us to kind of sabotage ourselves, you know? And I think kind of moving through that means being just being more mindful and, and present in your body. For, for something like that, I would say just be more accepting, right? Like being more accepting of your body, being more accepting of like yourself, you know, and really understanding the root. And if the root is always something bigger, like whenever I work with somebody, I always try to get the root. People come to me thinking, okay, I'm going to just, you know, work on my confidence, you know, and I'm like, you're not confident uh-huh. because at three years old, your dad left and never came back. And they're like, what? <laughs> My whole life built on the story, you know, and it's exactly that, like just understanding where do these feelings come from, you know, which part of myself is, is resisting this change, which part of myself is actually sabotaging this, and maybe it's the part of yourself that doesn't believe you're good enough, it might be the part of yourself that doesn't believe you're going to do a good enough job, the part of yourself that's not accepting of self, whatever part of yourself that is that kind of shows up, you know, and speaking to that part and say, hey, you know what, this nice guy is here and you know what you are good enough and it's okay to just accept him and stay and see how it kind of works out right and just giving yourself that comfort or is to say that and also another thing is that healing looks different for everybody right so not self-sabotaging is a big part of healing and sometimes it's sometimes it's discipline you know and sometimes it's something like letting go and not caring at all like it literally looks different for all us right so for somebody like me healing the parts of me that have created certain habits looks like adding a little bit more discipline in those areas for some reason Mm -hmm. I do not have it you know and for somebody else it's looking like you know what today just you know just let go don't clean the house (laughs) don't do this particular thing you know so it really is just about understanding yourself and why you do that particular thing and when you do it and if you notice a lot of times if it has to do if whenever there's a shoot or something that has to do the magazine or physical appearance that's when you're self-sabotaging that's where the healing needs to occur if whenever there's a relationship and a really great guy or a really great woman you know and that's when you kind of push the person away or the opportunity goes away that's where there's healing if it's a career thing wherever there's a great opportunity and you kind of don't apply for the job even though everybody's recommending you you got headhunted and you set set a low salary for yourself and you know you tell them that no i'm comfortable with this amount that's where the healing needs to be. It's in terms of what you think about yourself, your worth, the worth, the worth of your work, the worth, whatever it is, right? So mm-hmm. it looks different for everybody, but I'd say really look at when it happens. And, and there's usually some sort of link in the kind of like incidences and, and really just, I think, apply what you need, you know, ask yourself, you know, do I need to stay? Do I need to leave? What, what's the thing that I need personally? And I think that's how we kind of work through self-sabotage. For me, just on the last thing on self-sabotage, I'd say what really helped me in my journey with self-sabotage, for example, with me, my thing was leaving, right? When relationships like, you know, just get difficult because I really didn't have a model of that. And also I used to believe I'm not good enough for the longest time, you know? So, you know, give the not so nice guys attention, give the nice guys attention type of thing. And one of the things is that I had to learn to stay, like to learn that I am good enough. Obviously I did like a whole lot of sessions and all of that to just do the inner work, you know, so that I can feel- To stay well. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and part of the healing for me was to stay, you know, and also, you know, to, to just stay and, and understand that, you know, I'm deserving of this, you know, and this is, this is it. And even for work, you know, some of it self-sabotage, you know, even though I've met every single deadline of, you know, all of that <clears throat> is really just not allowing certain thoughts to show up in my mind when certain opportunities show up, you know, and, and really just showing up a hundred percent and knowing that I deserve to be in the room, whatever that looks like. And reaffirming myself so I say self-sabotage reaffirm yourself right understand where the behavior is coming from understand when it happens and be mindful about shifting that pattern because you can definitely do that I hope that's practical (laughs) yeah so helpful um speaking of self-sabotage this kind of goes hand in hand with it is um imposter syndrome because a lot of times, especially, you know, we're Tam and I are in this like very competitive, crazy business, like the entertainment world. And, you know, imposter syndrome rears its ugly head a lot. And um, what are some feel it? That- Sorry, I have to ask you, do you feel imposter syndrome? I do sometimes. I do yeah. sometimes I feel it, you know, and it's like it, you know, it really goes hand in hand with how I'm doing mentally. Like if I'm at a low, that's when it kind of like creeps up more. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of like is on that sort of like up and down, uh, spiral kind of thing we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it's kind of that, I mean, do you feel it too? Um, I, I don't know if I feel imposter syndrome, but I, I feel like, and maybe this is a version of it. I, mm-hmm. I don't feel like I'm good enough to be there. Like I always feel like people are prettier or smarter mm-hmm. or more talented. Like it always yeah, comes yeah. into like one of those categories, Um, and then if like, if I'm going to an event and all the women are like speakers, I'll be like, well, I could never do that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't know where I would be in like being on set because I've been on set for so many years, I'd feel like, well, I deserve to be here because this is what I'm, what I know. But I bet if I was like, I don't know, on Bridgerton and I was the lead, I'd be like, well, do I deserve this? Mine comes more from, you know, do my self-esteem, do I deserve to be here Mm -hmm. more than like I'm an imposter, but I would like to know more about, about this idea. Yeah. Yeah. How do we kind of, when that comes around, like, how do we deal with that, with this imposter syndrome? Yeah. So imposter syndrome. Um, I think the first thing I'd say is that sometimes you need to validate the imposter syndrome, right? Mm Because sometimes there's valid reason for you to feel the feeling, right? And Mm -hmm. again, you know, sometimes it's just a thing of acknowledging. I think, um, especially in instances where you're like the youngest in the room, the only female in the room, the only blonde in the room, like whatever it looks like for you, you know, yeah. but it's I'd really love to be the only blonde in the room. <laughs> where do I sign up? <laughs> <laughs> but really just, um, like there are instances, for example, where for me, for example, I'm a black woman, right? And I tend to be the youngest, like the youngest person I was. I mean, now I'm in my 30s, so I don't think that's going to be like a thing, you know. But before it would be a thing of I'd be in the room and I'd be like the youngest person in this leadership program and the youngest person in this. I, funny enough, didn't feel as much imposter syndrome because I used to have, until like life happened, I used to have this, this, this um, confidence that just came with whatever like I just wasn't bothered like whatever room I went into you know but these recent moments where I'd feel imposter syndrome and I'd have had to validate it and sometimes it's exactly that it's just noticing that it's actually there for a reason it's because you are the only person in this room that speaks this way that sounds this way that looks this way you know and it's okay for you to kind of feel that you know it doesn't mean you don't deserve to to be in the room so sometimes imposter syndrome is there for valid reasons you know Mm -hmm. and especially like 
for example, in South Africa, and I mostly work with Black women because those are the people that resonate with me. And for example, like I'd be saying like, look at where you are you're the youngest engineer in the room of course you're going to feel a little bit intimidated right so you don't have to like kind of push it off because that feeling is there for a reason it's not because you don't think you're good enough it's because of the circumstances of where you are you know and all of that so there's that part of it the Mm. other part of it when it comes to imposter syndrome again look at the root of it right like when Mm. did you start feeling like usually it comes from a belief that you're not good enough as well you know Mm. or a belief that you don't belong in the room it's those two main things like I don't belong and I'm not good enough And if you look at it, it's always things that are unrelated, right? And it's something like, you know, I call it Cinderella syndrome because what happens when you have imposter syndrome, you know, we just feel like not good enough and everybody's better than us. And it's like, you're this person. Like I use Cinderella syndrome because sometimes it comes from maybe being in an environment where we growing up, you were the black sheep in your family. So you kind of felt like you just don't belong in that space, you know, or growing up, you know, you were treated differently from your siblings or growing up, you were bullied because of the way you look, you know, and then the feeling, those are completely unrelated things to your work, right? Seemingly so. But how it surfaces when you're older is that you go into the room again and that feeling of not belonging comes back or that feeling of feeling of being the kid that's bullied because of how you look comes back, you know? And then you start to get feel, to get that feeling and then you feel not good, good enough and you feel like you don't belong. So really working through imposter syndrome as well is really just about understanding where it comes from because a lot of times, of course, you go, then you, you, I've worked with people who have imposter syndrome, who have PhDs, you know, who are completely qualified. So it doesn't really kind of lean into reasoning, right? Because it's based most times on a particular experience, you know, and that particular experience, that's the thing that needs to be worked on. You know, it's not that, you know, you need to work on, you can work on the confidence to be in the room, right? You can work on, you know, the story, like your image and all of those things, right? But if you still feel like that kid that was bullied because of the way you sound you know for example with me um I I used to be bullied because of you know the way my nose is shaped as a kid you know um I used to get bullied for a lot of different things like the tribe that I come from those are things that I experienced you know um thankfully that does it didn't lead to me having imposter syndrome but if I had to heal those things I'd have to go back to when it all began if it began at a particular experience that's the thing that you need to look and look at and really work through because it just keeps surfacing through these different things in your career in this and that and then also just working through it. I think it's also just your mind tells you all these stories. It doesn't always mean that they're true, right? So just because your mind says something like you don't deserve it to be in the room because, you know, you're not smart enough. Sometimes just question the thought and look at all the rooms that you've been in and you actually just, you did a good job. Mm-hmm. Sometimes your own mind will project things and say other people think you're not smart enough. Other people think you're not good enough. That's actually just coming from you. People are not having those thoughts about you, you know? So it really is just about, you know, observing those thoughts and saying, is this true? You know, is this the only truth that exists? What are the other truths that exist for me? And really just note challenging the thoughts because the thing about thoughts is that we think we can stop them. You can't. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't think actually tangibly thought you can start to train your mind to pick from different thoughts you can question the thoughts and ask or you can ask the thought why is it here you can even ask the thought is this even is this my thought or is this the thought of the bully 
Is this the thought of the person that, you know, Kobe names growing up? Is this the thought of, you know, so question the thought that comes up and look into your reality to kind of disprove those thoughts as well, you know, and you don't always have to stick to that thought just because it comes up. So it's a different part of it is just acknowledging the thoughts that come up and challenging them as they come up and having those, changing the inner dialogue as well, you know, because oftentimes we just believe the thought when it comes up and you're like, yep, I'm not good enough. You know, I'm, I'm not the person that needs to be here. I'm not going to get this job because this and this and this and this, and really just stop believing the story, whatever story it is and start to change it slowly. You know, whether it's like you write down a new story, whether it's you, you write a letter to your younger self, you know, or the one the version of self that was bullied, you know, and say, you know, you know what, you are worthy. And, you know, I'm so sorry that I haven't seen you. And I'm sorry that I've been doing to you what they did to you. Like, you know, just have that honest conversation with yourself. And from there on, just affirm yourself through it, you know, and really just look for other stories that prove the fact that you are good enough because they exist. Sometimes imposter syndrome can even say that you don't belong to be in the room and you've been in that room 50 million times. And at some point, have to like accept that you belong there and and kind of change that narrative in your mind i know roxy feels this too as parents of girls i have two little girls roxy has one you know our parents did the best that they could with the tools that they had from the parents that they had right and i feel like every generation is trying to do a little bit better by their kids um trying to learn more trying to have better ways to communicate with their children you know, I have a eight-year-old who is incredibly defiant and I am trying everything I can to, you know, practice gentle parenting, which is, I, I don't believe gentle parenting is parenting that just means that we roll over. Like we have consequences. We talk about boundaries. We talk about how she's feeling and trying to figure it out and saying, I would appreciate if you don't do this because, you know, for me, I don't, you know, whatever, whatever it is in the moment. And sometimes it still doesn't go well. And I get triggered because like, she'll be screaming. And my first reaction when she's screaming is like, stop screaming. Right. (laughs) And then (laughs) I'm like, oh God, like she's going to get older and think like, well, when I was feeling something, my feelings are not valid and I'm going to stay quiet because it's, it's, it's not healthy to express emotion. So the first thing she does is scream. I try not to get triggered. I try to calm her down. And then we try to talk about it and she just gets more angry And so like, what do you do in those situations with your kids when like you want them to learn consequences and boundaries for their future, but you also don't want to not hear them and support these big emotions? Because my husband is 12 years older and he believes more in kind of like laying the law down and it is what it is. And I don't, I actually think that it's very murky when it comes to parenting. I don't think kids are trying to be bad. I think that they're confused and learning and tired and sugared up and, you know, anxious and all the things that we are. I don't think that they're just bad kids. Um, And so what do we do in those situations where they're just not listening and you want them to be good members of society as they get older? (laughs) Sure. I think if you look at us as as adults, right? It really is. I feel like I'm starting all my answers with sure because they're such good questions. (laughs) But um, if you look at anybody, even as an adult, there are moments where you have to repeat something before they get it. 
And I think so, so many times, and you have to repeat it frustrated, you repeat it so many times, you could be in a relationship for 20 years, and you have to repeat a boundary, you know, obviously, not like your intense boundaries where you're feeling violated, but just small things like, oh, you know, babe, I do need this time to myself, you know, those type of things. And children, of course, like, just like what you said, Tamin, they're still learning, right? They're literally just learning and learning their emotions. They're learning to touch things. They're learning to, to feel like certain things. And they literally just are figuring things out. And it's a very thin line, you know, and I've seen that, you know, confusion with parents as well, whereby, where do I just say, you know, lay the law down and then, you know, just, you know, this is what it is or punish them in some sort of way, right? And where it's like, where do I just be compassionate and hold space for them, you know? And I think... It, it really is a thin line and I'm not a parent, you know, but I think I always say, just be the parent that you needed, you know? And I think a lot of us remember times where we just felt so misunderstood or misunloved because of just how a parent, and we also know the long-term consequences of those things, right? And I think it's just, you know, just being patient and not being afraid to repeat things again and giving grace because as adults, we make so many mistakes. We, are, we wake up late. We, we've been doing this for how long? I've been doing this for 31 years. Mm. I still struggle with like waking up early. You know, I still struggled, you know, sometimes with time management. Um, I still struggle to, to articulate myself as well as I want to. I still struggle to manage my emotions, right? I've done all the courses. I've done all of that. They have not even had a lot of human experience. And I think it's just about having grace for yourself as a parent, you know, mm. and really not not beating yourself down for those moments of you know just not feeling like having the patience right but of course then being the parent mean, means that they're modeling your behavior right so if you struggle to regulate yourself if you become impatient they become impatient with themselves that's just like what you said so i think it's just being patient with yourself having grace for yourself because you're human you are definitely going to feel moments of frustration and today actually it's funny that you have this question because i had this thought i was like yo i'm always telling people how to treat their kids <laughs> and <laughs> say that i have kids <laughs> i know We're like I'm stop like, no <laughs> <laughs> you know and sometimes you scream and you like, you know, but I think the difference is that I, I know I apologize to my kid when I act up. And I think in our generation, I don't know about you, Roxy, but like, you know, it wasn't my parents' fault, but like when they, when they punished me or smacked me or whatever it was, which is what that generation was, there was no like, you know what, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry. I was overwhelmed. I was this, I should have spoken to you. There was never an apology, right? So you always really mm -hmm. felt like you were like a bad kid. But now, like, if I raise my voice and I'm like, ah, I can't do this anymore, Phoenix, what's wrong with you? Then I'm like, Phoenix, I'm really, I'm really, I'm really sorry. I was overwhelmed. I let my feelings get the best of me. And there are things that I should not have done. And would you forgive me? Mm -hmm. And hopefully that means that when she gets older, she's like, oh, people lose their shit sometimes. Oh, people have to regulate themselves. Oh, mm -hmm. people like have to say sorry when they lose their shit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you, there is a consequence to that. And so I hope that by apologizing to her and like coming back when I do something that's out of turn, that she will have a better understanding of her own emotions. I think it's exactly that, you know, just coming back and apologizing makes her realize that it's not, it wasn't okay. That's one, right? Because some of us didn't have that, that it's not okay for people to shout at you because nobody really apologized to you when it happened to you when you were younger. And 
just apologizing makes means that she's seen, she's heard, she knows that her emotions matter. She also knows that that's not okay, you know? So I think it's that, just approaching the parenting journey with grace, understanding that we do not know everything and we are going to make mistakes, you know? And I'm talking to myself in the future. <laughs> I'm definitely going to make mistakes, you know? Because I think there's moments where, like, for example, like I take, I, I babysit sometimes and I look after like my my cousins and my aunt's kids you know and there's moments where like I make mistakes and I was like oh here I was projecting my own thought process about maybe my own fear here I was doing this and then I take it back I'm like okay now the lesson is this so I think as a parent you're always going to be constantly learning even when you turn 50 or 60 or 70 your kids are going to be having new problems and you're going to have to be there for them in some new way right and it's just about learning from that experience and saying okay when I am angry in the future I need to be more mindful and know to step back you know or know to just maybe tell your husband to speak to them because maybe he tends to be much calmer right or maybe just and maybe he's not there but you know find a way to just kind of like have that moment or step back and even if you don't you know at least I think with each moment you're also becoming self-aware so just by learning and engaging with her you now know what your triggers are you Mm -hmm. now know what like your last limit is <laughs> like so it really is also just learning that you're also learning about yourself you know through that experience with her and it's just mirroring some of the things that really tick you off and and you have to have grace Everything. for yourself yeah. right um you know we talk a lot on this podcast about manifesting and about trying to attract abundance and all the all the things so um you know, we've had people come on and talk about it. And um, what do we do if we feel sort of blocked? If we feel like the manifestations aren't coming, like how maybe they once were or how we want, a, you know, a new place that we want to get to, how do we sort of unblock those manifestations and really try to create this abundance in our lives? That's a good one. Cause that's something that I've struggled with recently. Okay. And it's just been, I don't know, I think what works is acceptance. Because <laughs> sometimes you're like pushing, pushing, pushing. And then obviously, because you get frustrated when you're not manifesting, right? And then you're like, why isn't it things working? And then and you're creating more the resistance, right? <laughs> <laughs> like the more, the more you want it and believe you don't have it, the more resistance you create, right? So sometimes you just have to believe it's coming. Maybe the gap in between is for you to just sit with yourself and be time. What I do is I'm like, okay, universe, you've given me this time to learn something clearly, right? I, mm-hmm. I know I'm good at manifesting. I've done it before. I can do it again, right? And it always has come to me. Mm-hmm. So you have to just sit with yourself because sometimes it's time for you to tend to your emotions. It's time for you to sit back. Maybe watch why you want something is the reason that's the problem, right? Maybe because sometimes we can follow all the manifestation tools, but we want something with a reason that's not aligned. So I'll use myself as an example, is that one of the things that was, you know, I was just like, I just want money, you know, I want abundance, you know, that's yes. nice. And I realized, <laughs> you know, it wasn't as much of an aligned motivator for me right and I wasn't even motivated to like do certain things so sometimes you can say yeah I really want this I really want this but on a deeper level you know you're like actually I don't even want to put in the work for this particular thing and there's some sort of thought that you're having that's also creating resistance right so sometimes the universe is giving you time to really align with what you want and why you want it and really just come back to yourself that's what I believe you know that it's giving you that opportunity to just realign with your vision why do you want these things are they even aligned with what you want do you want it from 
your heart or is this just a vision that you're just putting out there, you know, just for vibes. So I think that's one element of it. And sometimes you're just trying to get something and you don't believe you can have it, right? So you are writing all the things down. You're, what is it? You write down, you believe, you're writing all the things down, you're doing all these things and it's just not working because maybe there's a belief that you need to work on, you know? But I always say, use the gaps to develop yourself. Use the gaps to realign with yourself, you know? Because I think that, you know, I think for me, I remember at the time where I was like, things are not manifesting. And I was like, I am the manifestation queen, right? Like <laughs> these moments I'd be like, hmm, that like 20,000 rands would be nice, right? And then I'd get like a job and then be paying like 20,000 rand. Um, and then I'd tell my partner, be like, yeah, I remember that thing I told you, you know? So that's one of actually my manifestation strategies is not to even think, overthink things. I'll have a thought and I'll just say, you know what? A free holiday would be nice. <laughs> and then yeah, I'll get yeah, that, yeah. you know, or this and that would be nice, you know? So just not, a private jet would be nice. <laughs> private jet would be nice. <laughs> not a bad thing. I'm thinking all those things right now. Just letting it go, you know, and not fixating on something so much can also, you know, allow for that thing to come into your life and really just not putting so much pressure on yourself. I mean, even the fact that you're frustrated already means that you're creating some sort of resistance. So step back a little bit, you know, allow yourself some ease, you know, why are you so frustrated? Maybe you are manifesting from a place of like, um, what's this, what do you call it? Of lack, you know, you're mm. manifesting from a place of just, I need this to happen now, you know, already you're doing it with the wrong energy. So just release it from your energy, say a private jet would be nice, you know, of course, write it down, and if there's a gap, sit with yourself and, and just understand yourself more, understand what you want, look at your vision and, and just focus on, on yourself, you know, and just feeling good. That's it. Like that's, that's yeah. what I do with yeah. these gaps. I just focus on feeling good and enjoying the present reality. And I start to express more gratitude for the things that are working. And hopefully the universe will kind of bring that thing because there are moments where you'll literally write things down, you know, have the thought, you know, you've worked on your worth. So you think you're good enough etc etc and it just doesn't happen and i i just really think that yeah just embrace the space in between mm -hmm. that that i think is a good thing acceptance is such a an easy thing to say and such a difficult thing to put into practice and i i think my anxiety the only thing other everything i've tried everything right i even tried medication back in the day i'm not on it now and the only thing that has gotten me better or close to better, I do have some bad days, is when I'm panicking or when I'm anxious, I say to myself, this is what is happening and it sucks and you've been here before and you'll probably be here again, but this is just a thing that happens to you and I just trying to accept that the minute I fight it, everything gets worse. It's like you give it power, right? And I think it's the same with thoughts. It's like mm. the more you fight it and just don't ease into it. Like I've had so many opportunities these week, this week come to me and I just want to say no to all of them. Cause I'm like, well, if I say no, I'll feel safer. And then I don't have to do the work and the work's exhausting. Um, and if I just say no, then I'll feel better. I'll feel safer. But all it does is just keep me blocked and keep me stuck. It doesn't keep me moving. It doesn't, I don't meet anyone. I can't create new energy because no one else new is coming into my life. And like, you know, so those opportunities, even though, you know, some of them are overwhelming, I'm just going to say yes to them and just mm -hmm. see what happens because 
what else am I going to do? You know what I mean? Like, and there's always, you always sit there with your brain going, well, if I go and take that movie, it's maybe not enough money. And then what if I don't see my kids? And then are my kids going to still love me? And then, you know, I have sleep anxiety when Mm -hmm. I do movies. So then what if I don't sleep? And then if I don't sleep, am I going to die? Like just all these thoughts Mm -hmm. that start from one that end in 10 really fast, instead of just going like, I'm just going to accept that this was, is what it is. And I'm just going to say, yes, you know, it's almost like there's a weird comfort almost in the sitting Thank in the you know. negativity. Yes. Yes. And I love saying the victim. Why does it feel it feels like very safe? To yes. Me. Why does that feel so like comforting sometimes? It's like the craziest thing. Cause like it would be so much easier safe to just in the negative. Off. Yeah. The negative. What, why is that? I think our brain just tricks us sometimes, you know, um, we want to protect ourselves so that we can be safe. But if you're protecting yourself for something that's actually good for you, because on a there's a part of you that knows that this will be good for you, right? And then there's the other part, whether it's like the inner child or, you know, that part that's just scared, you know, that that that's the part that comes with that story that, you know, if I don't do this and I just stay in my corner, you know, this is what will happen. But I think if you just look into just, yeah, like, the benefit of that particular thing and what if what if it does work out you know so we just become very comfortable in our stories you know Mm -hmm. and we kind of repeat the story whenever we feel scared you know and I think again a lot of times that's not even you it's just the inner child you know and it comes in like pretending to protect you but it's just you know it is kind of like protecting you but there's no Mm -hmm. harm in you going for a movie and you know, um, going a certain way, right? There's no harm like that's going to come to you. Maybe you'll learn a lesson, you know, unless you're compromising yourself, then it's fine. Then listen to that voice and say, okay, what is, why is this voice showing up now? Is this something I need to listen to? And if it's not like, you know, just, just go for it and do something that works for you. Something that I'm also doing right now, because through the pandemic, I'm a huge introvert, but I became introverter. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, and when I say I, I need to see humans, it's because literally the only person I see for most of the time is either my clients and people on social media <laughs> and my partner. And then of course my family, because we have like a family gathering thing type of thing. And I realized that my my interacting skills are depreciating. Like it's so bad, you know, and and I, I'm just like so aware of that. And one of the things that I decided to do to kind of overcome that is to just really put myself in a space where I'm going to be out there, you know, and obviously I'm a speaker. So it's not like I'm shy or anything. I just have this inner dialogue with myself where I'm just like, ah, is that the right thing to say? I'm like, okay, there's something wrong here because you were not this person before. So when there's something, someone invites me to something, when there's an event, I'm like, okay, yes, I'm there because I know that that's going to be for my benefit. You know, I know that that the story is that I I don't like leaving the house. I would rather stay home with myself and hang out with myself. I have a great time, you know, but I know that right now that's not going to serve me because I need to be able, you need a community. You need your friends, you know. Also, as you get older, there's this thing of losing friends, right? and it's like I'm like okay we need to make more friends we need to be around people you know you can't just have like one or two people that like are your could like your people you know and I was just like and especially for me because I'm like no I want a diversity of friends so I'm like recognize what's good for you change the narrative be okay with being uncomfortable when you know that something is good for you just because you're scared doesn't mean that you know it's a bad thing just because you know it, it doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong and really just put yourself out there and do something that is feels good and some things feel like church, you know, for those that do go to church, you know, I don't, but when I used to, 
you know, it was a thing of you never regret going to church. You know, mm-hmm. I never had a Sunday where I didn't come back and I didn't feel good. You know, back in the days, you know, I never go to yoga and I, I, I don't feel good. I never do a talk and I don't feel good afterwards. There are certain things that are good for you and be willing to feel uncomfortable because you know the benefit of what those things are and challenge that story or even go even if you don't feel like it. Like, you know, just take take the path and go to that, you know, event, even if you're going alone or whatever and mm-hmm. see how it goes and challenge the, the negative story in your mind and and yeah, just choose something else. And it does get easier, you know, like I am such a fearful flyer. Roxy knows this, but I took a TV show recently and I had to fly back every weekend to see my kids. And like, was I afraid, petrified when there was turbulence? Absolutely. But getting on the plane was easier every time, you know? And now when I book a flight, even though I know I'll be nervous while the turbulence is happening, I don't stop myself from booking a flight because of the consistency of doing something. And it's, it's like, there's so much joy on the other side of being uncomfortable, but you've got to like, just accept that you're going to feel uncomfortable those first few times. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, I didn't die. Oh, I didn't get humiliated. Oh, I didn't, you know, this didn't, this didn't ruin my life. And once mm-hmm. your brain gets to see like, oh, okay, like this is safe. You, it's just easier to, to do it the next time, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes so much sense because, yeah, the more you do something, that's the best way to disprove your brain of the narrative, right? Is to, I remember when I used to have a fear of heights, right? Because it was so bad. I couldn't, when I looked down on an escalator at the mall, I would freak mm-hmm. out. And I, I'm a Taurus. So mm-hmm. I do not like not having control in certain areas of my life. Like I, I hate feeling like something is in control of me. So I decided, I think it was my 24th or 25th birthday. I went bungee jumping. Since then I can go mm-hmm. on the escalator and my brain knows that this. we're good, <laughs> you know, but I'm not saying people need to go bungee jumping, but yeah. <laughs> that, you know, just, just challenge the narrative, you know, that you have. And the more you do something, and this is something I say to my clients all the time, mm-hmm. the real world, starts after the coaching session you know it starts when you go and set boundaries and then you feel uncomfortable and then you just sit through it it starts when you're scared of being around people because you think you're going to say the wrong thing you know mm-hmm. and you just sit there and you just you know you realize that no you're good you know nobody even was thinking that and it starts when you know you do something that really you know terrifies you or something that you really judge yourself for and you just sit through it and you sit with the discomfort and you hold your hand through it like you Mm -hmm. hold your hand through it and 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 you get to the other side and and yeah it always feels good on the other side once you've conquered it especially if it's something that you know is good for you so yeah there's a quote that um I think is really good it's like if it's not gonna matter in five years it's not worth five minutes right now worrying about it Mm -hmm. and it's so true you know because we get so paralyzed I know what I do like when I get paralyzed in my fear and thinking, oh my God, you know, this person's going to think I'm an idiot. Or like, if I do this and like, how are we going to be? And I'm like, okay, no, slow down. And like, think about that quote, because it people are, have no time, right? It's like, they're not even like worried about like what anyone else is doing. It's like much less you, you know? So. And I even if they just, did, this is yeah. the big question. Like, uh-huh you know, there's this other quote that says Mm -hmm. to spend a second wasted on what other people think of you is a waste of your life. And it's Mm -hmm. just like, there will be people who think you're ridiculous. They think you're Mm -hmm. dumb. They think you're unintelligent. They think you're unattractive Mm -hmm. that think you're shouldn't be doing what you're doing. You don't deserve it. And it is not our business 
to care or know what other people think of us because everyone, sorry to say this, like my husband always says, everyone, like opinions are like buttholes. Everyone has one. <laughs> and it's like, it's so true. It's just like, everyone has an opinion. Yeah. The only, like, is the opinion correct? Says who? Like, yeah. there's a lot of people who don't like me. There's a lot of people who do like me. Which one is true? I don't know. And at the end of the day, it's like, it's so trite to say it, but it is so true. It's if you don't have that love for yourself, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Like the only person that should care is, is you, as long as you're not hurting anyone, um, is you. And probably the people that are close to you that can give you some valid opinions, the people that you love, mm-hmm. but who cares what people think of you? Yeah. you know? yeah. Maybe if they give you some kind of, you know, what you like, what we take it as a criticism, maybe we should be living more in a world where we do get criticized because, you know, my husband sometimes criticizes me, even though he doesn't know he's doing it. And I first go to attack because I feel mm-hmm. like vulnerable and ashamed. But now I try to go to like, wait a second, what is he trying to say? Mm-hmm. He's, pretty, he's trying to say that like, you know, we change our plans last minute. So maybe I should be more conscious knowing that if I make a plan that I should stick to it, right? That mm-hmm. I shouldn't let my anxiety get the best of me. And maybe criticism or maybe what people think of you if it's negative can be such a positive for us mm-hmm. in changing to be even better, you know? So that's just my thoughts on other people's opinions. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, think those like, opinions are like battles. Everyone's got titles going to be. And then that, oh, she's the most incredible, motivational speaker. <laughs> opinions are like buttholes. <laughs> That's what the title's going to be. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> I will say, like, I do feel, and I don't know if this is true for you ladies too, but like, I do feel like the older I get, like the, a little bit, a little bit easier, maybe it gets like to just kind of like take it a little more and not care as much. I mean, it depends. I mean, it really does depend on the day though. Like there's some days when I'm a lot more sensitive, you know, and I'm like, take things in a lot harder, but then there are other days when I feel like I don't give a shit as much, you yeah. know? So it's kind of like, I guess it's just kind of a, a flowing stream, you know? I mean, it depends on the day, but I'm hoping, like, hoping the more knowledge and Better. like wisdom, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, that it gets easier a little bit. And it's sifting through, I do think of like, when you hear somebody give some kind of criticism or opinion, mm-hmm. sifting through, is that a them thing or a me thing? Mm-hmm. And I think we all know, like when, when my husband and I have, you know, disagreements, I know when it's a me thing. I know that I'm triggered because there's an element of truth to it. And I know when it's a him thing where I'm like, Mm -hmm. wait a second, your trauma is showing right now. Mm -hmm. And that's when people get on my Instagram and just tear me down completely. Uh I go, oh, that's your trauma showing. Mm -hmm. That's your stuff that you have just projected onto me. Whereas if they, there's an element of truth, Mm -hmm. I get very defense. I try to go to, I I do go to defense and anger first, Mm -hmm. but then I have to try to sit with myself and go, wait, there's an element of truth to that. Like, how can I put a mirror to myself and see how I can be better? So it's just trying to sift through. If David says something to you, are you triggered because Mm -hmm. it's true or you triggered because it's his stuff Uh, or or you shouldn't be triggered because it's his stuff. Yeah, it's true. You're right. I need to look a little more closely into it because if it really gets to me, it, there usually is some truth in it, you know? And if it's like, if he's just acting out, I mean, it could be that I am <clears throat> sensitive that day, but um, 
but then I kind of know, you know, I'm like, okay, well he's stressed at work and now he's like lashing out or whatever, you know, like, so yeah, it's like, it definitely needs to, I need to take like a deeper look into it, but I can see how that would, how that would be, you know? If I can add mm -hmm. uh, my personal experience with that criticism and how I receive it. Um, I think I remember I, I, start, I started doing more TikToks recently and I was like, you know, TikTok needs you to be like an actress <laughs> and like so many things that, you know, I haven't dabbled in. I dabbled in a lot, you know, but I was just like, oh my gosh, TikTok is so much work. So I started doing like these pretending to be acting videos and all of the scenarios, you know, to kind of display healing and all of that, you know. And I remember I posted a video on Twitter and somebody had commented that, oh, the, what do you call it? Transitions are so terrible. And, and this and this, they just said like negative things. And then there's some people that were resonating. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I was proud of my videos. I was fine with it. And I think in that moment, I was like, I'm not going to let this person determine how I feel about something that I feel proud about. You know, I think that's also another part of it where if you know you've done the work and if you know this good enough for you be okay with the criticism i blocked him of course because i'm like i don't need this you're going out of your way to make me feel better about something that i feel good about i do i know where i'm at in my tiktok journey so sometimes it's really just acknowledging where you're at in your journey and of course deciphering is this person's uh, opinion is it is it is it somebody whose opinion matters you know is it is it something that should shake my life i was like no this person is intentionally trying to be hurtful you know mm -hmm. and looking at their intentions and they're trying to bring me down over something that i feel good about and then i was like fine i was like i'm just gonna block them and move along but of course i think yeah with the personal you know when somebody when it's somebody who's close to you mm -hmm. i think definitely reflection and just taking it as feedback you know and and not being so defensive all the time, like maybe we do need criticism, you know, and it's about looking at where that in the intention is. Where does, the, what's the intention of the person giving you feedback? Mm -hmm. Is it to beat you down or is it for you to, ra to raise you up to a higher standard, you know, mm -hmm. that you hold yourself accountable to? Is it to hold you accountable? Is it to beat you down? So that's also like just my approach with certain things, you know, it's just what's the highest intention of the person that's saying these things to me. And sometimes also I'll take the feedback on social media, but I'll still block you. Like, um, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like I, my transitions do need to improve but however I don't like your tone and you are a stranger so I do not need your opinion you know what I'm saying like I'm working on it it's fine I acknowledge it the transition was terrible but I'm still part of my video and now you're and in like I some workshop about how to learn how to transition exactly. yeah. there was this one article I once read I think it was in the time or the New Yorker that mm -hmm. said that there was this company that every single day or like once a week, I can't remember the, the timeline of it, but once a week they would um, sit down and go through each of their coworkers and say what their coworkers could do better. Um, and they would all like chime in and go, well, you know, Jacob Aston over there, he, uh, he's always 10 minutes late and it's frustrating because it'll, we always start our meetings late, you know, mm -hmm. and everyone, was meant to, with the criticism or with it, with the feedback was meant mm -hmm. to try to change that behavior if everyone mm -hmm. agreed. And I wonder if we lived in a world like that, how much better the world could be because sometimes we live in, we live, we live within our own bodies and our own lives and we're not fully, we're, we're so busy and we're so going that maybe mm -hmm. we are making mistakes and we are, uh, you know, not treating people with the way that they should be treated, but we don't fully understand it because no one says anything. Yeah. People just like kind of just don't say anything and kind of move on. But um, but yeah, so we're going to start that with this podcast, Roxy. So, <laughs> okay. Oh, God. What can you do? I know. I'm like, 
Let me put a pin in that and come back to it. <laughs> <laughs> now you're perfect. <laughs> no, I think I know. I think you've told me many times so aggressively. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, Yvette, thank you so yeah. much. We're so grateful to have yeah. you on. So much food for thought. Thank you for having me. Um, this was really fun and organic and I love you guys' energy and just you being yourself, you know, and both of you being yourselves and being vulnerable and being open. Um, I've really just enjoyed being here as well and listening to, to your journey and, and thank you so much for having me and affording me the benefit of this platform. Yeah. Oh, yes. so much. Next so time so I'm in South Africa, I'll come say hi. <laughs> please do <laughs> please do i'm i'm on a i'm on a what do you call a mission to make new friends so <laughs> that's the thing. yeah you're you're gonna be an unintrovert introvert yeah, I'm right. still gonna be very introverted. I will we can have a party inside. You know what I mean? Oh, really? I feel like that's like my introvert expert yeah. extrovert dream. I'm like, I love having people over because I'm like, oh, I don't have to leave, but I've been extroverted. <laughs> it's your dream. That makes sense. My dream. Well, rocks where uh, sorry, Yvette, where can people find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter. It's at Yvette underscore Elu. So that's Y-V-E-T double T E uh, underscore A-L-O-E. And on every platform, actually, Instagram, TikTok, uh, Facebook, what else is there? All, all the platforms. Oh, I'm somewhere <laughs> there. And my website is www.evetalu.co.za. And that's where you can book sessions and look at my latest okay. events and workshops and all of that stuff. And my book, <laughs> my book is now on Amazon. Um, I, I just got it up on Amazon now recently. So anybody from anywhere in the world can buy it. And it's a really great book on healing and it has exercises inside on how to heal yourself and all of that stuff. So that's a really nice thing that you can get for yourself. Yeah. Everyone's going on TikTok right now to see your transitions. Yes. As you <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I shouldn't have told that story. I know. They're like, let's check our transitions. Yeah, let's <laughs> Thank you so much. And, and rocks, people need to <gasps> rate, subscribe, and comment, please. Yep. And let us know where, uh, who else you would like to have. What? That didn't even make English. That wasn't even <laughs> who else you would like us to have on the show. <laughs> yes. 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 Well, thank you guys so much. I am Tamin Sursok. And I am Roxy Manning. And we are <gasps> women. women. On. Take it away, Vet. Talk. Ah. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.